the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Joshua. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. The beautiful parallel for us, of course, is Jesus is our city of refuge. But he's the one that we run to not because we're innocent. It's not a refuge for the innocent. Jesus is our refuge because we're guilty. The city of refuge then was only for the innocent. The city of refuge for us now, Jesus, is for the guilty. And we're all guilty. But the beautiful thing about what Christ did was when he dies on the cross, he becomes our refuge for us and we run to him and we find forgiveness. Isn't grace incredible? Even though you're stained, God doesn't count your sin against you. You're treated as innocent even though you're guilty. In his message today, Pastor Gary will invite you to share in the wonder of what God has waiting for you, even though you don't deserve it. God is always there available for you. He is a refuge, a hiding place, when you are weary, scared, or are worn down by the troubles of this world. Lay down your cares at his feet and find rest in the shadow of His wings. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Joshua, chapter 20, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Lord, thank you for this time we can gather together in your house. We just pray that you would bless your word now as we study it together. And we love you and we give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. We pray these things and everyone said, Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 20, it says this, The Lord also spoke to Joshua, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, Appoint for yourselves cities of refuge. You can highlight that or underline that. Cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And when he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally, but did not hate him beforehand. And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment and until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. And so they appointed Kadesh in Galilee, in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, 
and Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron, in the mountains of Judah. And on the other side of the Jordan, by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness on the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Okay, so what is this chapter all about? So again, remember that uh, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, they received an allotment of land uh, by the casting of lots, and it was divided out among the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, one of the things that God is making provision for here in this 20th chapter is a place of refuge, a city of refuge for someone who accidentally, now that's key to this, who accidentally or unintentionally killed uh, his or her neighbor. And so there were six cities that were marked as cities of refuge to which you could flee if you ever killed someone accidentally. Now, three of these cities were on the western side of the Jordan River, and three of the cities were on the eastern side of the Jordan River to spread it out among the territory of the 12 tribes. So that if, again, you killed someone accidentally, you could flee to this city and be protected. Not that you should not still face accountability, because even accidental death has some consequences, but that you would not be outright killed by the avenger of blood. Now that phrase you might have noticed as we read through chapter 20, the avenger of blood, uh, if you notice the first time it's used is in verse 3. At the end of verse 3, it uh, talks uh, about the avenger of blood. In Hebrew, it's one word, goel, G-O-E-L. Now a goel was someone who was appointed by a family to seek vengeance upon a death. You know, you have to remember, this is before the days of law enforcement. There, there were no police officers who would try to, you know, um, uh, keep the peace and make sure the law was being upheld. These were the days, kind of in our more recent history, like the Hatfields and McCoys. If you, if you didn't like somebody, you would just, you know, take the law into your own hands. And it was like the Wild West back in these days. And so what would happen is, if somebody in your family was accidentally killed then the family would appoint an individual from within the family to get vengeance on the death of their loved one. And that Goel, that person who was selected by the family, was called here in English the avenger of blood. But what God is doing here is he's distinguishing between murder okay, and killing. Now, there's a difference between premeditated murder, even in our laws today, But in biblical times, too, there's a difference between premeditated murder and accidental homicide or involuntary manslaughter. And so I want to talk about this a little bit so that we understand from a biblical uh, vantage point here what God thinks about the difference here. Because there is a difference in the Bible between murdering, the Hebrew word is ratzach, and killing, the Hebrew word is nakah. Murder is condemned in the Bible, but killing is sometimes justified. Now, let me explain. If you know your Ten Commandments, you know that commandment number six is, in the King James, thou shalt not 
kill, but New King James and NIV translates the word better because it is actually ratzach in the sixth commandment in Exodus chapter 20. It's you shall not murder. And in fact, you shall not murder. It's four words in English, but in Hebrew, it's only two words. Lo ratzach. No murder. No murder. And so God condemns murder, which is the uh, premeditated, intentional, deliberate taking of another person's life. God condemns that in the Bible. But there are some exceptions to the sixth commandment. And I'll put them up on the screen for you. Here are these exceptions. Uh, One exception is, as I mentioned, accidental homicide. Now, Chapter 20 here of Joshua is all about that. So I'll come back to that in a moment. But this is accidental homicide. This is, you know, um, uh, involuntary manslaughter. This is when you kill someone, but it's an accident. For example, um, somebody is chopping wood and you're swinging an axe. Well, the axe head flies off the handle, hits somebody else in their head and kills them. Okay, that's accidental. But nevertheless, somebody's died, and you were the cause of it. So that's accidental homicide. And in Numbers chapter 35, um, the Bible spells out uh, the reality that sometimes you might accidentally kill an individual. So how is that person to be treated? Because that is not a violation of the Sixth Commandment. That's not premeditated, ruthless, deliberate taking of another person's life. The second exception to the Sixth Commandment is there on your screens. It's justifiable homicide. Now, justifiable homicide has two components to it. One is self-defense. In Exodus 22, verse 2, it specifically says if a thief breaks into your house and intends to do you harm, it's justifiable homicide if you defend yourself. Self-defense is still a defense today for the taking of another individual's life if it is, in fact, for the purpose of protecting your own life or, or that of your family. If you've, you know, if a thief breaks in or somebody trying to kill you, it's okay for you to defend yourself in this way. And the Bible spells it out that way. And then the other thing, and I get this often, particularly from law enforcement officers or people in the military saying, you know, I've killed people in the line of duty. And, you know, am I violating the sixth commandment? The answer is no. Because those who are an extension of the government, Romans 13, 4, talks about how those who bear the sword are given authority by the government to, as in fact, in Romans 13, 4, it says, as ministers of God, to carry out his justice against the evil in the world. And so part of government, like it or not, but part of government is to restrain evil in the world. And so government then can sanction times of war and in terms of, um, you know, law enforcement having to, you know, defend the country or, you know, take somebody out because it's, it's justifiable. And of course, that's become a very debatable topic these days, but it done right and done properly. Um, these things are allowed in scripture on the basis of self-defense or on the basis of law enforcement or military in the line of duty. And then the third exception to the Sixth Commandment is capital punishment. Uh, The Bible does allow for capital punishment. You know, it's interesting that when you think about the Sixth Commandment, you shall not murder, lo ratzach, that doesn't come until Exodus chapter 20. That doesn't come until the Mosaic law is introduced. 
But you know this? Before Moses was inspired by God to pen the Mosaic law, all the way back in Genesis chapter 9, and I'll read it to you. This is after the ark came to settle on Mount Ararat. And one of the things that God said as Noah and his family uh, come off the ark in Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, God says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. In other words, what we even read before the Mosaic law was given, all the way back at the time of Noah on Mount Ararat, God is saying, listen, if man deliberately, intentionally takes the life of another man, he shall be held accountable for that. That's a violation of what will end up being the sixth commandment. And God says, why? Because it's a desecration of my image. We are all made in the image and likeness of God. We are created in his image and in his likeness. And when someone deliberately, intentionally takes another individual's life, that is a desecration of the image of God because you're taking the life of an individual who's created in the image and likeness of God. And so God says, you'll be held accountable for that. You shed innocent blood, your life, your blood shall be shed. That's Genesis 9, 6. Jesus even says in Matthew 26, 52, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. You take up the sword and you deliberately, intentionally, premeditatedly murder someone, the sword will be coming against you too. So these are three exceptions to the sixth commandment. And what you have back here in Joshua chapter 20 is basically an explanation of how God made provision for the first one on this list, which is accidental homicide. If you are, you know, you're chopping wood, just to use that illustration, the axe head flies off, you end up killing somebody, what are you to do? Well, the family of the person you killed is going to come after you. So what do you need to do? You need to flee to a city of refuge. And that's what this chapter is all about. So there's six that were marked out within the territory of the tribes. And one of these cities, whichever one was closest, you could run there. And you could make your defense. And what would happen is you would go to the door, the gate of the city of one of these six, and you could explain your case. The elders would hear you out and then take you in. And they would protect you from, because if it was accidental and unintentional, they would protect you from being murdered by someone who's just angry at what you've done. And, and they could be guilty. The other person, the avenger of blood, the goel, could be guilty of murder because now they're just angry at what you did. So they want to deliberately kill you when you know it was an accident. And so you flee to find refuge in one of these cities. And you would be allowed to remain there. Now, if, if the elders of the town found that it was justifiable then you could live out your life in that city. If you ever left that city, all bets were off and the goel could kill you. So you had to remain, if you wanted to keep your life, you had to remain in that city. Now there's an interesting little phrase here though. It says this, if you jump back to verse six, it says, and he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. Okay, in other words, if he's found to be uh, not guilty on the basis that it was accidental, okay, not intentional, not deliberate, it says, and until the death of the one who is high priest in those days, 
Then the slayer, the one who accidentally killed somebody, may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. It's an interesting little statement there, and here's why it's important for us to hear this. Because one of the things that you got when you fled to a city of refuge was this temporary protection. And the day that you could return to your hometown from which you fled was when the high priest died. Now, there's this interesting foreshadowing here, because here's the beautiful parallel for us. A city of refuge was only for those who were innocent, in the sense that what they did was accidental. They didn't mean it. They weren't deliberate. They didn't intentionally want to kill somebody. The city of refuge were for those who were, quote, innocent. And when you were finally free was when the high priest died, whoever was high priest at that time however long that took. The beautiful parallel for us, of course, is Jesus is our city of refuge. But he's the one that we run to, not because we're innocent. It's not a refuge for the innocent. Jesus is our refuge because we're guilty. The city of refuge then was only for the innocent. The city of refuge for us now, Jesus, is for the guilty. And we're all guilty. But the beautiful thing about what Christ did was when he dies on the cross, he becomes our refuge for us, and we run to him, and we find forgiveness for our guilt. So this provision that God makes here is actually a picture for us of the greater refuge that we have in Jesus because we're guilty, and he's the one who can forgive us. And the Bible is full of, I'll just read a couple of examples from the book of Psalms, the Bible is full of This parallel talking about how God is our refuge. All through just the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 9 verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. A refuge in times of trouble. In Psalm 46, 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength. And ever present help in times of trouble. Therefore we shall not fear. In Psalm 91, 1 and 2, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Amen? So He is our refuge. And so God provided these cities of refuge for people uh, to um, uh, not be prosecuted for something that was accidental. And uh, the Lord is our refuge even when we do things intentionally and we're guilty. We can find forgiveness and grace with him. Into chapter 21. In chapter 21 now, if you remember from our previous studies, um, the 12 tribes of Israel had different land allotments except for the Levites, the tribe of Levi. The descendants of Levi, because they were a priestly order, they were to find their inheritance in the Lord alone. So they were not given large land tracts. However, they needed a place to live, so they were given towns. They were given cities. And chapter 21 is about these different cities that are given to the Levites. And you'll notice, we're not going to read through all of them. You can thank me later. There are 48, 48 cities that the Levites are given. Now, at the end of the book of Numbers, the tribe of Levi numbers 23,000. So 23,000 are going to be, uh, Levites are going to be distributed among 48 cities or towns. So that's roughly about 480, give or take, 
uh, per town uh, that they would live in as their uh, inheritance. They would just get these various cities. So chapter 21, it says, Then the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites came near to Eleazar the priest, to Joshua the son of Nun, and to the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel. And they spoke to them at Shiloh in the land of Canaan, saying, The Lord commanded through Moses to give us cities to dwell in with their common lands for our livestock. And so the children of Israel gave to the Levites from their inheritance at the commandment of the Lord these cities and their common lands. So here's what happened. They're going to cast lots now for the various cities within the tribal allotments. So from the tribe of Judah, you're going to have to give up some cities. And from the tribe of Issachar, you're going to have to give up some cities. From the tribe of Zebulun, you're going to have to give up some cities so that the Levites can live there. And so it separates it. And I'll just read a little bit of this. Verse verse 4. Now the lot came out for the families of the Kohathites and the children of Aaron, the priest, who were of the Levites, had 13 cities by lot from the tribe of Judah, from the tribe of Simeon, and from the tribe of Benjamin. The rest of the children of Kohath, of Kohath had 10 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Ephraim, from the tribe of Dan, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh. And the children of Gershon had 13 cities by lot from the families of the tribe of Issachar, from the tribe of Asher, from the tribe of Naphtali, and from the half-tribe of Manasseh in Bashan. The children of Merari, according to their families, had 12 cities from the tribe of Reuben, from the tribe of Gad, and from the tribe of Zebulun. And the children of Israel gave these cities with their common lands by lot to the Levites, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So I don't know if you were counting there with me, but those were the 12 tribes that were mentioned, and various cities from each of these 12 tribes were given to the Levites as their allotment. Now, if you'll jump ahead, because I won't uh, read all of these various cities and the names and locations, just jump ahead to near the end of the chapter, verse 41. It says in verse 41, all the cities of the Levites within the possession of the children of Israel were 48 cities with their common lands. Every one of these cities had its common land surrounding it. Thus were all these cities. And so the Levites got a particular city, and then they got some of the pasture land around the city to raise livestock, and so they were taken care of. And notice the way the chapter ends then, verse 43. So the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. The Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. And not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. I love the way this chapter ends because it reminds us of three things. Number one, God keeps covenant. Everything that God says, he does. He is faithful and true to his word. And when he makes promises, he is faithful to all his promises and loving towards all he has made. So number one, God keeps covenant. Number two, God gives rest. I love the way it says that there in the middle in verse 44. The Lord gave them rest all around. The ultimate rest that we find, the peace that passes all understanding to guard our hearts and minds is in Christ Jesus. There is a rest, there is a peace, there is a contentment that only comes from the Lord. This world does not offer it. 
This world offers the opposite. Anxiety, fear, worry, but God offers us his rest and only in him can we find that. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this message in the book of Joshua again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Under the teachings option, you can download our mobile app to stay connected with God's Word everywhere you go. While you're there, you'll notice our companion resources. These digital study guides give you some additional insight into some of the studies Pastor Gary has done. They are completely free for you to use. If this ministry continues to be a blessing to you and you want to listen to more teachings, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify so you never miss another message. Cornerstone Connection is a ministry out of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you in person, so come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today, so put a marker in your Bible right there in Joshua, and we'll plan to study the Word again next time. Thanks so much for listening to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.